The late pastor and Bible expositor Harry Ironside said, when God is going to do some great thing, he moves the hearts of people to pray. This was certainly true prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit and the explosive birth of the church in Acts chapter two. Pregnant with expectation, the early followers of Jesus prayed in the upper room. They modeled for us how to pray and wait on God in faith for as long as it takes to receive the answer. Never underestimate the power of a praying church. We can always do more for God after we have prayed, but we should never do more until we have prayed. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome into this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. When you read the book of Acts, you can't help but notice all the good things the disciples of Christ were doing to launch the church and help it grow. But behind it all was a commitment to prayer. Prayer set the foundation for everything the early church was able to accomplish. Ron talks about this essential ingredient today as he continues his series, A.D., The Acts of the Apostles. Stop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Acts chapter 1, here's Ron with his Something Good Radio message, The Power of a Praying Church. Well, the McDonald's Corporation years ago advertised their iconic burger called the Big Mac by saying it was made of this. See if you can say it with me. Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Wow, can you believe that? But we remember that and and part of the reason we do is because it was brilliant marketing. What the McDonald's Corporation was trying to do was to single out their burger from every other burger out there. And they said, our burger has a special sauce. Think about it, all the other ingredients anybody could find, two beef patties, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, sesame seed buns, anybody can put together a burger like that. Ours has a special sauce. The question is, what's a special sauce? Well, McDonald's won't tell us because if the special sauce ceases to be a secret sauce, then it's no longer a special sauce and every other burger can taste just like the Big Mac, right? I'm starting to sound like a McDonald's salesman and that's not my intention this morning. But you understand what I'm saying. We're in a study of the book of Acts, and when I read the book of Acts, and I read the story of the early church, and it's explosive growth, it makes me wonder, what's the special sauce? What was so special about those times back then? How did these uh, early followers of Jesus who were powerless and penniless and fearful, how how did all of this happen? How did it explode in growth? How did it take off in such a way that it even, you know, fulfilled the the dreams of its founders to have a worldwide impact? And here we are 2,000 years later. I mean, most of us have heard stories about companies that started in somebody's garage and became, you know, a big company, but none that have lasted 2,000 years. How did this happen? What's the special sauce? Well, a casual reading of the book of Acts uh, lends me to 
leads me to three kind of ingredients in this special sauce in the early church. The first, of course, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, let's just be honest. The church would have never gotten off the ground, never out of the first half of the first century, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ had not, in fact, taken place. And the early apostles were eyewitnesses to this. They went around saying, we saw the risen Christ with our own eyes, and they went all the way, according to tradition, to a martyr's death believing that and proclaiming it. So the resurrection message was part of the secret sauce. The, the second is the Holy Spirit. He comes in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, and what we're going to find as we read through the book of Acts, just tracing His activities through the book of Acts, you just pay attention to the Holy Spirit. You got to understand that this thing called the church, which we're still a part of today, would have failed were it not for the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus told His disciples, go back to Jerusalem, sit tight, wait, and pray for the promised Holy Spirit that will come not many days from now. But again, reading casually through the book of Acts, you notice a third ingredient to this secret sauce. You know what it is from the title of the message, the power of a praying church. I'm talking about prayer. The early church was a praying church. And you, you find prayer mentioned in some way, shape, or form 29 times in 28 chapters. That's on average a little bit more than once a chapter. We find the early church in prayer. One author says prayer saturates the book of Acts like salt saturates the ocean. That's a great analogy. Everywhere you turn the page, the early church is in prayer. And we find them in a prayer meeting in the upper room in Jerusalem right here in the first chapter. I mean, we, we don't get 11, 12 verses into the first chapter, but that we find the early church in prayer. In chapter 2, we, we find them praying again. They're praying before, during, and after Pentecost, by the way. This isn't just a before Pentecost thing or a day of Pentecost thing. Prayer saturates the early church and the story of the early church in all 28 chapters. Peter's first sermon that we'll get to in chapter 2, I mean, the response, the, the powerful explosion and catapulting of the early church from the first day it was born. Yeah, it had to do with the resurrection message that he preached, the power of the Holy Spirit, but the power of a praying church as well. You can't discount that. You read on in the book of Acts, and when they face their first conflict with the Jewish leaders, we find the early church in prayer. Acts chapter 6, when they're choosing what we call the first deacons, the apostles said, we must give ourselves to prayer and to the preaching of God's Word, and they, they established these leaders in the church. Paul and Barnabas later are sent out on their missionary journeys, and we find the church coming together to lay hands on them and to pray them out. Peter is thrown into prison by uh, the, the, the opposition to the early church, and what do we do? We find, we find the early church in prayer, begging God to miraculously release him from prison, and the Bible says an angel of the Lord showed up, and you know, there are Paul and Silas singing these hymns and at midnight, and the gates open, and it's just a marvelous scene there. It's no secret that the early church was a praying church before, during, and after the day of Pentecost. And all, all these three ingredients that are in the secret sauce, by the way, we have them today. We have the resurrection message. We have the resurrected Jesus living in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
question is, are we a praying church? These three ingredients to this secret sauce are kind of like, if I could change the analogy, a three-legged stool. You take any one of them away and you have a powerless church. But a church that stays true to the resurrection message, that uh, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and that prays, oh my, watch out what God does in a place like that. And so I want to talk to you about the power of a uh, praying church. No secret that the early church prayed. No secret that Jesus prayed, that that was an important part of His spiritual discipline. You read the gospel accounts and you pay attention to the uh, disciplines and the activities of Jesus. You'll, You'll bump into Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, one of my favorite glimpses into the disciplined life of Jesus, Mark says, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there He prayed. Listen, friends, this is obvious, but let me just say it. If it was important for Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, and the Savior of the world to to spend time alone with the Father in prayer, how much more important is it for us? And Jesus told us that if you want to be one of my followers, you have to deny yourself. And here we see Him denying His flesh the the extra hour of sleep that He wanted, and He gets up before everybody else gets up. Sun hasn't even come up, and He wanders off to a lonely place, a desolate place, and He spends time with His Father in prayer. That's some of the secret sauce of Jesus' life and ministry. And don't mistake it. So much so that the disciples came to him and said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Not teach us to teach, not teach us to perform miracles, not teach us any of the wonderful things that he did. But we're seeing something secret. Uh, You go to secret places, and we're seeing that as part of the secret sauce of your ministry. And so he taught them to pray, gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer, It's really a model prayer, the disciples' prayer. And if you read about that in Matthew chapter 6 in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount where Matthew records it, you'll find um, uh, some words of preface that he gives before he gives them the Lord's Prayer. He tells them how not to pray in a couple of ways. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who go out into the public places and and pray for everybody to see them. He says, instead, verse 6, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The secret sauce of the Christian life, are you ready for this? It's finding a secret place where the Father will share His secrets with you in prayer. Do you have a secret place like that? A quiet place where you meet with the Heavenly Father? I'm an early riser which means I'm early to bed, but I'm an early riser, and the rest of my house, they're they're night owls, all right? So I get the early morning hours to myself, and and I have to fight against every temptation to grab my phone and, you know, social media channels and all that, and, and for the first moments of my day to grab my Bible and get alone with my Heavenly Father. Because I know that if there's anything He ever does through me, the secret sauce has something to do with meeting Him in the secret place and to being, being a praying person. Same is true with you. Same is true with us corporately as a church, okay? Jesus had a secret place, a desolate place that He went to in the early morning hours. He also had a place called Gethsemane. On the night before He was crucified, He went to that secret place, and they found Him there. 
And he went deep into that place with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. The disciples had a secret place and a quiet place too. It was called the upper room. And in Acts chapter 1, we find them at Jesus' command going back to Jerusalem to wait, to wait and pray, to pray and wait. And they were in the upper room, probably the same room that they acquired during the Passover. We'll just assume it was that same upper room in the old city of Jerusalem where Jesus met with them on the night before he was crucified. But they go back there uh, to pray and to wait. And I see in Acts chapter 1 two kinds of praying that we can do and should do. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Power of a Praying Church. If you're new to the program, we'd like you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can keep sharing the truth of God's Word the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website or feel free to give us a call at 757-276-1099. Again, that number is 757-276-1099. The Bible says the fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. How much more can the fervent prayer of an entire group of righteous men and women get done? Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Power of a Praying Church. Uh, I label the first one this way, the prayer that waits on God. Let's pick it up in verse 12 and uh, read how the apostles and the early followers of Jesus uh, prayed this kind of prayer. Verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, a verse or two later, Luke tells us that there were about 120 of them in this upper room. Small church. You know, the average church today is, is 100 people or less, but this is where the church started, 120 people. And, and he lists um, the disciples there. He mentions the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus' siblings. Ah, that's, that's a whole story in and of itself. Now they're calling him Lord, not just you know, brother. They're calling him Lord and Christ. Uh, but they go to the upper room to pray and to wait. Jesus told them to wait. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at waiting. I'm the guy that if you're driving five or ten miles an hour lower than the speed limit in the right lane, I'm the guy behind you honking my horn or speeding around you saying, come on now, get it, get it, get it on a little bit, okay? Because I don't like, I'm very impatient that way. I don't like to wait. I'm not very good at waiting. But we're talking about uh, praying and, and waiting on God. Um, a late pastor and wonderful Bible expositor named Harry Ironside was reflecting on this scene in the early church, and he says, when God is going to do something great uh, or do some great thing, He moves the hearts of people to pray. 
He stirs them up to pray in view of what He is about to do so that they might be prepared for it. The disciples needed the self-examination that comes through prayer and supplication that they might be ready for the tremendous event which was about to take place, the coming to earth of God the Holy Spirit to dwell in believers and empower them to witness for Him. Uh, what, a, what a great description of what's going on here. They were praying. They were waiting. They were waiting, and they were praying. It's not an easy thing to do, especially when you don't know how long you're supposed to wait. It turned out to just be 10 days from day 40 after the resurrection where Jesus ascended to the day of Pentecost. It was only 10 days, but Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promised one, not many days later. The hardest thing about waiting is not knowing how long. It's like your kids in the backseat of the car saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Well, almost, we're almost there. Five minutes later, are we there yet? Are we there yet? The disciples were asking the same thing. Is this the time? Is this the time? No, go to Jerusalem, sit there, wait and pray. Not many days from now. Really, how many days are not many days? That's what I'd be asking. Because I can read in the Old Testament about people who were sent to God's waiting room and waited for a long, long time. Let me give you one example. That's all I have time for. Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 75 years old, enjoying his retirement in the Ur of Chaldees, modern-day Iraq, when God showed up. I said, Abraham, I got a plan for you. They were childless at the time. He says, well, you're going to have a child, you and Sarah, but you're going to have to leave this place and start traveling toward a land, and I'll tell you when you get there. It's kind of like saying, you jump, and on the way up, I'll tell you how high. You know, how about that for walking by faith? So they set out in faith. They, they left a comfortable, wealthy retirement, set off as sojourners uh, traveling toward this place with a promise they held on to for 25 years. That's how long they were in God's waiting room. So when we see the early church being told by Jesus to go and wait in Jerusalem, they go there to pray the prayer that waits on God. Are you waiting on God for something right now? Maybe for employment, maybe for a spouse. I, I, I don't know what you're waiting on right now. I've been in God's waiting room before, and the hardest thing is I, I don't know how long I have to wait, but I'm supposed to pray and wait, pray and wait, pray and wait. The hardest thing is that I become impatient and I confuse faith with wishful thinking. And after a while, I say, well, I prayed and I prayed and nothing happened. I guess prayer doesn't, get, doesn't work, and I give up. I give up after a few days, a few hours, maybe a few weeks. How do we pray the prayer that waits on God? How, how do we do this? Write this down. The prayer that waits on God does so expectantly. We pray with the expectation hear me on this, that God has heard our prayer. With the expectation He has heard us because we are children of God, and He says, come boldly into the throne of grace. We belong there not because of our own merits, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He invites us in to have a conversation with Him. We, we pray with expectation that He has heard our prayer and that the answer is on the way. It's sort of like a, a pregnant woman. Ladies, uh, mothers, do you, do you remember when you first got news that you were pregnant? And, and then you began to say, maybe the first thing you said to your husband was, honey, we're expecting. That's how we describe a pregnant woman who is pregnant with 
expectation that the child, the promised child, is coming. Oh, you have a due date, but you don't know the exact day and the exact hour, but you pray and you plan and you wait with a sense of positive expectation that that child is on the way. You have, uh, 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 what do you call those things? Um, baby showers. Yeah, it's been a long time, folks. <laughs> we had them way back when, but it's been like, we have baby showers you plan. Uh, you, you put together a nursery with your husband. You paint the walls and you buy little decorations and you buy a crib. You, you, you plan and you order your life with the expectation this is going to happen. That's not the way most of us pray, though. We lose patience in our praying. Uh, the faith that is required to wait on God until the answer comes. And a lot of our praying is wishful thinking, and when it doesn't happen in our time frame, we, we give up, we, we fail in our praying. There's a great example in the Old Testament of the prayer that waits on God, and this is with Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. And Daniel was fasting and praying, the Bible says, for 21 days. Do you have enough faith to wait on God for 10 days, let alone 21 days, let alone 25 years? Well, Daniel was praying and fasting for 21 days, but the answer didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come. The answer came on the 21st day. Do you have the persistence to pray until God gives you a breakthrough? the patience to wait on his answer. Isaiah 40:31 says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Power of a Praying Church, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. Ron Jones' Discipleship Coaching Experience, Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. In Starting Point, Ron takes you back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith and helps equip you to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of others. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. To find Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. To make a reservation or to get more information on our trip to the Holy Land, look for Something Good Travel when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. For your gift to Something Good Radio, we'd like to offer you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, A.D., Acts of the Apostles. That's all 19 messages in Ron's teaching series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. 
Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456, or call our offices at 757-276-1099. The big picture is this. This church prayed. It prayed. Uh, Before Pentecost, casting lots was a way to discern the will of God after much prayer. After Pentecost, I say the best chance of making a wise decision in the absence of prayer, in the absence of the Holy Spirit, is no better than a gamble. Ah, If if you're not going to seek God in prayer and, and the discernment of the Holy Spirit, then just draw straws or flip a coin and take what you get. But that's not how we are to discern God's will as uh, New Testament believers today. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, The Power of a Praying Church. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.